The last time the Reds had a disappointing home series versus Milwaukee, we got the call-up of Ellie De La Cruz. Well, the Reds had another disappointing home series versus the Brewers, and this time we get CES. He is here. We'll tell you about the latest exciting call-up on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into this team into information for you. I want to thank you for joining us on today's Lockdown Reds podcast that, to be honest with you, was completely different the first time we recorded this. But as you'll notice later on when my outfit changes, this is a completely different thing because the Reds made a late night announcement on Sunday night. Christian Encarnacion Strand is being called up from AAA. He will join the team on Monday to face the San Francisco Giants. And yes, they had a very disappointing weekend series against the Brewers that we will get to. Uh, we're going to even talk about, you know, where, where do we ascribe blame? to a, a series sweep out of the all-star break to probably the most important team that the Reds needed to beat in the entire season. We're going to get to all of that. But before we do, uh, we have to jump into CES because this was amazing news. This was great breaking news that completely broke the podcast. Like we said, we recorded a uh, edition of this beforehand. By the way, uh, today's episode brought to you by eBay Motors. Check out eBay Motors today for all your right parts look for the green check mark uh, ebay motors let's ride they have the ebay guaranteed fit which is only available to u.s customers exclusions do apply all right steve ces is here and the reds just got better they just got a whole lot better jeff and it's about time to be quite honest look first off i'm just so happy you're gonna see an energy change when we run the <laughs> next two segments yes, you will. Uh, a whole different open this show had before this ces announcement listen <laughs> it's about darn time ces during his time in louisville played in 67 games batting average of 331 on base percentage of 405 and a slugging percentage of a cool 637 for an OPS of 1.042. They are getting a masher to go into this lineup. This is another in a line of sparks that has been called up from AAA to be infused into this lineup to get this team firing. Now, I, he's not a fix-all, but when you bring what he's been able to do in AAA into a lineup that kind of needs a jolt right now, this is exactly the right move at the right time to try and right the ship in, in a very important four-game series against the San Francisco Giants that opens tonight. Let's put it this way, Steve. In 67 games this season, he has 20 home runs. In 67 games this season, he has put together a 153 WRC plus weighted runs created plus, which means he is 53% above league average with his total overall production at the plate. Absolutely brilliant hitter. There's all kinds of wonderful statistics that we're going to go through in subsequent episodes this week because there's just so much about Christian Encarnacion Strand. He compares to Mike Trout, Julio Rodriguez, Vladimir Guerrero, and some of the top 
names to play in the major leagues in the last 10 years because of how he played throughout his entire minor league career. I mean, we're talking over 500 at bats here and a 300 plus average, absolutely beautiful stuff that Christian Encarnacion strand has put together and he is going to fit right in probably somewhere in the middle of this line or probably fifth or sixth, something thereabouts. We don't have a corresponding roster move as of this recording. We will update you as soon as that happens. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's and at S Offenbaker with two F's. Um, and, and join the discord as well. That's in the link in the description here for this episode, but with Christian Encarnacion strand on the team, you now look at the lineup and you say, these are the best guys. These are the guys that are going to be able to score the runs. And, um, in the addition, the third segment now that will become the lost third segment that was going to be the Monday third segment, we had mentioned something like a move like this could possibly reset this lineup that has badly needed it over the last four games. No, absolutely. And to, to figure out how they're going to get him on to the team and into the lineup it, there, there's some there's some easy moves we've been talking about cutting kurt casali that's probably the most straightforward easy way to call up ces you yes. clear the roster spot you make the move kurt hasn't been playing anyway uh if you're not going to do that there's potential for a kick the can move if ben lively's owie from yesterday we haven't really got a report yet on what exactly is going on with him but if that lands him on the disabled or the injured list then that makes room for ces uh harder moves are you do something with nick senzel you do something with kevin newman uh not quite sure the direction the reds are going to go here's what i do know though jeff there's been a lot of concern from people about well why would you call him up there's no place for him to play are you kidding me are you yes. crazy there's plenty, the of, places, plenty yeah. of places for him to play look during his time down in louisville this season jeff he's played 41 games at first base he's played 16 games at third base he played eight games as the designated hitter and just for good measure he played a game in left and he played a game in right so there are <laughs> ways to get him full-time at bats i am not concerned at all about him getting playing time now, to your point about where he fits in this lineup, I for a long time have always felt like it's a good idea to bring these guys up and hit them six, seven, eight, nine down towards the bottom, let them build their confidence, let them get comfortable. But then they called up Matt McClain and then blew that argument right out of the water. And then they right. called up Ellie De La Cruz and blew that argument right out of the water. So I'm all for wherever David Bell feels he slots in the best, hit him fifth, hit him sixth, somewhere up high like that to be a run producer, to be a, a guy driving in dudes getting on base. I'm all for it. I think this is exactly the shot in the arm that they need going into this series with the San Francisco Giants because, uh, as you'll hear me say later, this is important with wildcard implications now that they're trailing the Brewers by two games. Not only do we need to be worried about this division lead, but we need to be worried about the wildcard qualification. So yes. this, this is the right move right now. I think that what we saw in this Milwaukee Brewers series that just wrapped up, Jeff, was a team that was pressing. It was a team that was struggling. It was a team that was feeling the, the pressure of performing. This is a lot of young guys that have never been here before. This is going to be an energy shift. The focus momentarily is going to move away from the pennant race. It's going to move away mm -hmm. from the fact that they just dropped a three-game series at home and got swept. All of the energy and attention now, at least for this game today, is going to be CES is here. And I think that's going to allow everybody else 
to take a breath, to reset, to maybe not press so hard. And it's going to, it's going to shift that energy. And I think that that's probably the most important effect uh, outside of anything that's going to happen in this game with CES being in the lineup. It's just going to allow for that reset. It's going to allow for just that momentary pause for this team to start fighting its way forward again. And I feel like it was a really good thing that I got tickets to this game. Cause I can't wait to see this dude's debut. I'm curious of this because here's here's my thoughts with Christian Encarnacion Strand on the roster. I think it might be time to switch up the lineup a little bit, and by switch it up, I think Ellie De La Cruz should lead off. I think it should be Ellie De La Cruz, Matt McClain. I think you should have Jake Fraley against righties, Spencer Steer against lefties in the third spot, CES batting fourth, and then you flip you know Fraley or Steer righty lefty there in the fifth spot, Jonathan India batting sixth. Um, I'm going to say Votto down in the seven hole. Uh, yeah. Joey Votto batting six. My bad. And then um, Tyler Stevenson batting seventh. Uh, I'm going to move uh, uh, Will Benson up one spot, even though I know he's the league's best number nine hitter. And then I'm going to move TJ Friedel into the ninth spot. I like it. Let's do it. I, 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 I think that's it. how you should do it. because I, and I think that Ellie De La Cruz of everyone on this team should have the most at bats because CES is going to be the biggest run producer in this lineup. Listen, he doesn't just have power though. This is the thing. Like there's a lot of people that are saying, man, I'm getting like Adam Dunn vibes or something from this guy. Like D bats over 300. This is not a three true outcomes guy. This is a guy that just mashes. He is a destroyer of baseballs and not just in the home run variety. Like I feel for Toyota because someone's getting that Tundra this year, maybe two people between Ellie De La Cruz and Christian Encarnacion Strand. And it's going to be all the time because this lineup is just going to be so consistent. So let's address this concern, Jeff, because it's going to be one of the things that the naysayers bring up almost immediately. Yes, he did strike out twice as many times as he walked while he was in AAA. But I point you again to his slash line of a batting average of 331 on base percentage of 405, slugging 637. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the 69 strikeouts, the two to one strikeouts to walk ratio does not matter because all of the other counting statistics back up the fact that he's ready to be at the big league level. And there are a couple of amazing statistics that I definitely want to get into on tomorrow's podcast about like how good he is at hitting pitches outside of the zone. He's got a very strange talent that not a lot of guys have. And I think we'll see it on display in this series because Logan Webb loves to throw him some breaking balls. That's who's starting against the Reds on Monday night. But so many different statistics to get to, Steve. Lots and lots of things to talk about when it comes to Christian Encarnacion Strand further. So you're going to want to make sure that you keep it locked on Reds every single day because we'll have you covered yeah absolutely now look as i said while we were talking folks we're going to drop back into the episode that was already recorded the Big energy change. is gonna the energy is gonna shift a little bit folks we're not going to redo the entire show because there were a lot of there were a lot of things we covered about this three-game sweep that need to be said and we're going to continue to bring that to you. But when we come back into your feet tomorrow, we'll have a whole lot more on CES. We're going to have a report about his debut and how he did and talk a little bit in more detail about what this means for the lineup, what this means for the Cincinnati Reds moving forward. And coming up here in just a moment, we will make that tone shift because we got to look at this opportunity that just the Reds just waved goodbye during this weekend. That is coming up next. 
podcast. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Sleeper. Do you want a chance to win more money with less picks? Well, head to Sleeper where you can pick where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering a 100-time payout for up to eight pick contests. Choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. You get your picks right and you could win big. Do you think that Joey Votto is going to bang against the Giants? Well, smash more on the homers. Do you think that Ellie is finally going to get out of this slump and get on base and run? Well, make sure you smash more on the steals. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy. They also have safe and fast withdrawals. Use the promo code locked on and you're going to get a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out sleeper today. And remember, if you can't be down at Great American Ballpark for the start of the Giant Series, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Thanks so much for making Locked on Reds your first listen today and every day. Every day is coming up on our next show. We are going to start to look at the uh, giant series that has now become critically important uh, that the Reds for the Reds to win. We're going to start to break that down. We're going to talk about all of the action down at the ballpark, and we're going to dig into what the Reds need to do to have a successful 2023 campaign and that definition may have changed you're gonna have to tune in because i think jeff and i have both changed what our definitions of success are in 2023 steve here's the thing we we, we knew coming into this weekend coming back from the all-star break the reds had three games against the milwaukee brewers really really i mean we could have at least squinted for some positives if they went one out of three, we would have loved two out of three. Instead, we got zero out of three. And if I may be so bold in saying this right out of the gate, look, there's still plenty of time. The Reds still have an opportunity here, but the Reds handed the keys and control of the NL Central back to Milwaukee. I, I mean, quite frankly, I'm a little ticked off, Jeff. Uh, yeah. All they had to do was win one of these games. One of them. They win one of these three games. We're having an entirely different conversation. You and I are sitting here talking about, well, it wasn't as good as we had hoped it was going to be. But look, they're still tied for first place. We head through the rest of the month. We're going to play them again uh, in three series down the road. We're okay. Now, does that mean I want to panic because they got swept? I don't want to panic because they got swept, but I want to gripe a little bit. I want to moan a little bit. I'm pretty ticked off. I, I feel like they really squandered a opportunity and really showed just how young and inexperienced they truly are in dealing with pressure packed situations because they crumbled, they crumbled, they wilted, they melted. However you want to describe that they did it. Uh, just looking through the box scores on the hitting side of things shows you how bad it was this entire season. We, you and I, and most of the other people that talk about the Cincinnati reds on any, with any regularity have been saying pitching. Pitching, starting pitching, the pitchers, it's the pitchers. We need pitching. The bullpen's going to die. Pitching, the pitching did just fine. The pitching was was adequate. Uh, you know, the Reds lost on Friday one to nothing. 
The pitching did their job. They lost on Saturday three to nothing. The pitching did their job against a Milwaukee Brewers offense that can score some runs. Uh, you know, did they did they do their job on Sunday? Well, there was a couple missed opportunities. Some of what the scoreboard shows is more of a defense problem than it was a pitching problem. So, you know, I think this is one of those rare cases where I want to say the pitching did fine. Uh, the problem is the hitters and the absolute breakdown of fundamental baseball from a offensive standpoint is what we saw in this three game set. The positional players, uh, whether you're in the lineup or out in the field uh, trying to get the defense rolling, were pressing. It was very evident. From game one, where Corbin Burns absolutely shut them down to the point uh, to the tune of 13 strikeouts, it was very evident for like every at-bat after that, they came up trying to hit a bases empty grand slam. And believe me, the bases were empty. There was not a lot of base runners this weekend for the Reds, and this is where they have thrived all year long, is constantly having base runners on, constantly putting the pressure on the opposing pitcher by having to pay attention to the guys on base. There wasn't a whole lot of Brewers pitchers, whether they be the starters of uh, of Corbin Burns or Freddie Peralta or Adrian Hauser, or the same three guys out of the bullpen that we saw every night. I think Hobie Milner pitched on Sunday, but it was Joel Piamps, it was Elvis Peguero, and it was Devin Williams every night. And every night, they dominated the Reds. The, the Brewers, you have to tip their cap, tip her caps to them because they came into this series ready to go. They came into this series and knew what needed to be done and never wavered from it. Even when they were down on Sunday, even when the Reds had gotten themselves a 3-2 lead, 3-1 lead, really, at home early on in the game, and you're thinking, okay, this is how the Reds get back. This is how they get their one win. And the Brewers said no. The Brewers did what the Reds have been doing everybody all year long in that they they fought. And, and we said, we've been saying this all year long. The Reds are never out of a game with anybody, but it felt like this series, the Brewers said, well, you guys are having fun, huh? You guys had a nice long winning streak, huh? You got some real talented players, huh? Yep. You guys can wait a little bit. We got this. You know, this is our division. Thanks for uh, you know showing up. But we got this. And that is why we are so angry right now. Because it felt like the Reds were up to the task. And they were proven, and we were proven completely wrong. You know, Christian Yelich might as well have walked over to the Reds dugout and said, boys, take notes. We've been here before. We're going to show you how it's done. That's yeah. really how it came off. And I know coming up in the next segment, we're going to um, subscribe some individual blame to some individual players. But as a group, I think the most telling number is the strikeout total for the weekend. What would what, what what do we settle on? 37 strikeouts? <laughs> 37 strikeouts. In the three-game series, 37 strikeouts. And that doesn't even go back to the one nothing loss before the all-star break. Right. Doesn't Didn't even go back to that. We're just talking about the three games to start the second half there at Great American Ballpark. 37 strikeouts. Uh, that is not who they've been. No. They've been put the ball in play, create chaos on the bases. Uh, you take advantage of the opportunities that present yourself from there. That's a big problem. Uh, the other piece of that for the collective unit, Jeff, I want you to use that stat that we were talking about 
off the air that came from ESPN. Yeah, ESPN Stats and Info released their released this stat that said the Reds are the first team to go three games of eight hits and no runs in 130 years, at least, because that's as far back as ESPN Stats and Info can go with this. But the first Major League Baseball team ever, not the first since so-and-so, like this is the first that they can literally go back and find in a three-game stretch to have eight hits and no runs. Collective failure by the lineup. There was not one person that like you can really point to and say, You're, that guy's really the biggest reason why. Collective failure. And, and I hate to say that, but this is the kind of thing, and, and, and this is really what's going to show us, and we'll talk about this later on in today's show, but this is really going to show us the metal that this team has. We even talk about the grit and the grind and how well these guys fight throughout the season. This is the biggest test they faced all year. How do you bounce back from this? Because if you don't, well, we're, we're talking about a different thing coming in the postseason. Now I know people want to talk about the ump shows that went on during this series. Now I haven't looked at the ump scorecard yet, uh, yeah. but from where I'm sitting with the eye test, uh, the Brewers were just as ticked off with the strike zone most of the series as the Reds were. So I agree that it was bad umpiring at home plate throughout the series, but I think it was consistently bad on both sides. I'm not sure that it influenced things one way or the other very much. Uh, I did like uh, the return of what I saw in the Discord chat being termed uh, the reemergence of 2019 David Bell arguing <laughs> with the umpires. And you know, I said it on Saturday when I was chatting with those guys on Discord that I thought an ejection was imminent. It felt like David Bell needed to do something to cause a spark. And I at one point commented, you know, ejection incoming. But it was late in the game, and you saw a couple times David Bell was started to the top step of the dugout, but he pulled it back. I think it was too late in the game. He saved it for yesterday. And yep. when he went off, he went off in classic 2019 David Bell style. He was drawing the strike zone in the dirt around home plate. He made <laughs> sure that you know the, the, the crew chief came and tried to scurry him away, and David Bell spent at least five minutes running around in circles around the crew chief so that he could get in the home plate umpire's face. And I think that made a difference. There was a little bit difference in, in how the Reds position players, at least at the plate, acted and carried themselves. And it, it, it almost worked. It was almost the spark that the team needed. But, uh, you know, moving forward, I think, while it may be hard to identify some individuals that – are responsible, they're there. There is plenty of blame to go around. And coming up in the next segment, Jeff and I are going to attempt to at least point out some of the things that went wrong individually in this three-game debacle out at Gray American Ballpark. But before we... Before we talk about that, though, I want to let you know that if you can't be at the ballpark for this Giants series at Great American Ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. And thanks, as always, for checking out Locked on Reds here today. For uh, more Reds content in between each and every episode, make sure you join the community on Discord. We've got a lot of great folks talking Reds baseball on the Discord server. The link, which is down in the description of this episode, you can uh, follow that along and join in the Reds conversation all day long. All right, Jeff. It, it's hard to really point a finger at one guy because the offense was so collectively bad. 
And the fielding at times was so collectively bad. But I think there are areas where we can point to for particular players letting the game, letting the team down in particular moments. Yeah. And I, I think that, I mean, obviously we start with the lineup. The lineup itself collectively failed. Two hits on Friday, uh, TJ Friedel and Will Benson. Uh, you had one hit on Saturday, which was a single, which if you go back and you look at the stat cast, which I don't know why you single. would, because that's just torture. Air quote. It was <laughs> exit velocity of 36 miles an hour single for uh, Jake Fraley on Saturday. And that was the only hit the Reds had. And then, yeah, they had seven hits on Sunday. It was a little bit better. And you had, you know, three hits from Matt McClain. You had a homer from Jake Fraley, a nice double from Joey Votto and a couple of hard hit balls there. But for the most part, the lineup was absolutely abysmal. And part of that is, look, okay, we want to start to point at some guys that had bad games. And I know there's plenty of people wanting to point fingers at Ellie De La Cruz. And make no mistake about it, he did nothing to help the team win on offense. And that's a bit of a bummer. But this is something where you just point the finger at the Brewers pitching. They were just better. Like sometimes guys are just better. And this was the perfect case. Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Adrian Hauser, and the three guys out of the bullpen that I think I'll see in my nightmares for the foreseeable future, at least till the Reds play their three-game series against the Brewers next week, uh, in Piamps, Pagaro, and Williams, uh, they were just better. And if for anyone to say that this was the Reds shooting themselves in the foot, for anyone to take away from just how good they were, they weren't watching this series. The Brewers did everything they could to take the strength of the Reds team and completely obliterate it, and they succeeded. I also want to say on a personal note that whenever the day comes that Christian Yelich announces his retirement, I am getting on an airplane. I am flying to <laughs> Milwaukee so that I can be at the press conference to make sure he's actually leaving. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait for that day to come. That guy just needs to be gone. Uh, here's here's where I feel like there were some problems. Individuals. I, I will point some figures at individuals. I feel like more than one occasion out on defense in center field, TJ Friedel lost track of what was going on and, and had mental lapses. Uh, the play where he went to the plate instead of throwing into second base was on a Sunday. bonehead yeah. play that, yep. that cost the Reds pretty significantly. Uh, another play, Jake Fraley had an opportunity to throw a runner out at the plate, but he came up and he double clutch. And I think he wasn't sure where the runner was. I really think that's what happened because as he was double clutching, he was looking around. I think he lost track of where the runner was and that's unacceptable yep. to me. Uh, Nick Senzel is another guy who we keep saying with his limited playing time needs to take advantage of, of the, the limited opportunities he's going to get moving forward. And I get this one against a left-handed pitcher, but he apparently he can't catch the ball in the outfield either. Now I know yeah. he's a, he's an infielder being asked to play outfield, uh, but to some extent that argument's getting a little bit tired because it's been multiple years. More outfield than infield. He's been yeah. he's been in the outfield exactly. So he he just simply lost track of the ball. He let the team down, and I get they're human. Errors are going to happen. Mistakes are going to be made. But in these games where you're trying to to basically bust a slump. Everybody needs to get dialed in. And I feel like there was a, 
there was a defeatist mental breakdown amongst this team in the field, especially in the outfield that allowed this one to get away. And I feel like as much as the Reds have been the rally Reds, the comeback kids, the cardiac guys, whatever we've been calling them, I feel like they let the Brewers really get in their head on Sunday. And you could see, you could see the shoulders start to drop down as the, as the Brewers began to chip away at it. And as they were in a position to, to pull ahead. And even with Alexis Diaz in there, the, the energy level just wasn't quite right. I think, and this is a maybe overused sports colloquialism, but I think they started to buy into their own hype. I think they started to see the the power rankings that Bleacher Report at one point had the Reds as the third best team. Yes, I said that right. Bleacher Report at one time said the Braves were the first best, the Rays were the second best, and the Cincinnati Reds were the third best team in baseball. And as much as that was a homage to everything that they had done to that point, this was a couple of weeks ago, but as much as this was respect for what the Reds had accomplished over the early part of this summer, it was a huge test for a young team that is full of talent, but full of plenty of guys who have not been in this position before. And plenty of guys like Jonathan India who have been close to this position, but not necessarily in the playoffs hasn't hasn't had that postseason success or, or or even tasted the postseason at all and i think that this was an aspect of the reds taking a nice all-star break taking a few days off and seeing you know what we're pretty good i think uh i think we know this baseball thing i think we got this i think we're ready to go i think we're gonna roll we're gonna kill the brewers and the brewers said no nah, baby no nah. you don't know what you're up against and you still got plenty of time left in this season to be thinking that you accomplished anything by being first place at the All-Star break. Now, don't get me wrong. Based on the expectations we had for this team coming into the year, being at first place in the All-Star break is amazing. But they're not done. You still got 71 games, and now you only have 68 games left. But I, I just look at this, and I think that so much seemed to go wrong in this series and I think that people want to like point the finger at David Bell for some reason on this. And maybe there's a little bit to blame in some of the moves that he made. But at the end of the day, where are the players' heads? For most of this season, we've seen the players' heads. They're, 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 they're one mentality, Steve. The, the idea of competing and fighting for every inch, every hit, every hit at bat. It, it kind of felt like this series, they were just like, yeah, you know, it's going to happen. We're, we're good. We're good. We're cool. And it just didn't happen. You know, it reminds me of some old school football coaches back in the high school days where if they had a really talented team, a bunch of juniors and seniors that were a little bit full of themselves, they really liked, you know, around week two or week three for some low ranked football team to come in and take their guys out behind the woodshed and take it to them because it reminded them that they were human and that they had to put in the work. And I, I think you're right. There may have been an air of expectation centered around this team coming out of the all-star break thinking we've got this it's a new series and a new opportunity beginning today down at great american ballpark williamson versus webb for the giants the reds need to take this game uh, by whatever means necessary and start to move things forward that's where i'm at with this uh, i think that it can be done i'm going to look for the positives we're going to we're going to hope 
that the rest of this lineup catches fire. And that is probably a good spot to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Before we get out of here, don't forget, if you can't be down at Great American Ballpark today, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download that app and search the word Reds. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up with tomorrow on the show. Did the Reds move their own goalposts? And what will make this a successful season now, considering how they've played? That is going to be our main topic of discussion as we look forward to this giant series. But for now, Steve, what can folks expect from you and me? We're going to keep monitoring those transactions, those rumors, the waivers. We're going to keep watching for trades to come to fruition. And if Nick Crawl doesn't call up CES very soon, we're going to send Jeff Carr down to Louisville to pick him up personally. We're going to bring all the information back right here and keep you locked on Reds every single day.